Welcome to After the Buzzer. I'm Ian Busby. This week on the show, we are chatting about the Stamps loss to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and how quickly it becomes a referendum on Bowley by Mitchell and whether the Stamps should be going back to Jake Mayer. We, Danny and I both agree that uh, that's a little premature to think about. Um, we do like to see Mayer in uh, certain situations and we get into that. Um, also, the CFL announced that any unvaccinated player can't be traveling for the playoffs in December because of the uh, rules around uh, vaccination status and travel. And uh, how we get into the, more of how it might affect a football team if they have to leave a prominent player at home instead of having that player available and that how disruptive that would be. And um, it's an interesting conversation, and I think one that you could go on and on about. Um, it's going to play out over the next month and a half, and it'll, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's a real stickler of a conundrum. Do you go against your beliefs, whether we're not even commenting on what we think of people have to have that those beliefs, but you're entitled to your beliefs, or do you go with your what the team expects of you and what you contribute to the team? It's a it's a tough situation. Uh, I I can't imagine, you know, for instance, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or Calgary Stampeders leaving somebody important at home because they won't get vaccinated. Um, it seems like a tough thing to do. Um, anyway, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about this, that, and a few other things, and uh, we're going to have some fun as usual. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, if you can uh, rate review this show uh let us know uh you I can be reached at any time at ibusby at mail.com if you have any comments anything uh and you can uh reply to us on twitter i think that's where you're probably finding the show anyway uh we send it out that way uh but here's danny and i chatting about the cfl as we love to do thank you very much Okay, Danny. So, what is the biggest reaction uh, that you feel out of this Stampeders game versus the Riders? Uh, it, you said last week that you wouldn't be surprised. That you would you would expect the Riders to come out well, and they should win this game because it's hard to beat a team three teams times in a row. And they've got they had a boost of uh, new guys in the lineup um, that didn't all, all ultimately do make a huge amount of damage, but. Um, I think the biggest reaction is why, why does everybody think that after one game where Bo Levi Mitchell throws three interceptions that suddenly the team should be, uh, maybe, maybe he's not the guy. I'm like, what happened to three previous weeks when he was the guy? Uh, it seems like the, the rope on Bo Levi is, is a little less than you would expect for a two-time great cup MVP and a guy who's had the best winning percentage in CFL history. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a complicated issue. Like, I do understand people saying he's throwing too many picks, and, like, the reality is he's thrown 13. Uh, that's that's too many. Um, but, you know, four of those were when he was playing on a uh, fractured fibula. You take that game out of it, and he's thrown nine, which is pretty consistent with the other top quarterbacks in, in the league right now. So it's not that, but, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think all three of those picks were probably his fault. He underthrew the ball. Uh, I, I don't think on the flea flicker there was any excuse to just throw the ball away, and that sort of was the takeaway from the postgame, both from Dickinson and Dave. Like, he's got to just 
throw that ball away and not throw it into that coverage. Um, but like, honestly, it, it was like really, I've actually like more so than normal been sort of debating with Stan Peters fans. Like everyone was like, bring in, bring in Jake Mayer, bring in Jake Mayer. Well, here's a couple things. First of all, Jake Mayer was in quarantine for two weeks without like, because he actually tested positive for COVID. Yeah. It wasn't right. like he was in protocols. He actually had it. Right. Yeah, I've had all these fans be like, well, he couldn't be any worse. It's like, yes, he could. Like, do you not understand that practice matters? Like, I, like, what do, like, what am I missing here? And secondly, like, Bo outperformed Fajardo in the first and second quarter, had a really bad third quarter, and then was pretty okay in the fourth. Like, so the least that you're giving him is one bad quarter. Like, it's, it's like, a, I don't get it. I, I, like, it's, this is a guy who's done a lot and has won a lot, and they just won four or five going into this game and three in a row. So, um, I don't know. It, it betrays a serious sort of lack of understanding of managing your stars. And like, no, you let your stars play through bad stretches. And he had a bad quarter. Um, but again, like I will maintain my main takeaway from this game is they won two of three against the Riders. Yeah. Um, and how quickly people forget. Well, and they're they're set up to that. UBC loses again to Winnipeg and the Stampeders don't lose any ground in the standings. They're still firmly in third place. And now their schedule gets pretty set. Like you got Ottawa this week, you got to go into Ottawa and beat them, but that doesn't seem like a very difficult task. And they're going to beat the bricks off the Red Blacks. Yeah. And then, and then you're looking at another game against the Lions. So they, the, the, the opportunity here, I think didn't really change any. Um, and that's weird. Well, it was like, <laughs> Well, like a month ago, it was like, can they even get into third? And right. Like, I don't think they're getting second. Um, like, the most wins the Stamps can get to is eight. I believe they will beat the Bricks off the Red Blacks. I think that this Lions team is just spiraling. They look awful. Yes. Um, so I think that the Stamps win that one. And then the Bombers in the last game of the year with nothing to play for, I just don't. I, I see that being a win for the Stampeders as well. So I think the Stamps get to eight wins. The issue is that the Riders are now at six and they have four games remaining on their schedule so they have to lose two of four for the teams to be tied and then the season series matters i think the more likely result there is that the the riders win three or four or even four or four and the stampede are in third and go and do Saskatchewan. but like that's better than they were at a month ago we've always said and like i, I repeat myself but the plan going into the season was to to build and to, to get hot coming down the stretch, I think that they've largely done that. And as I've said, I think they needed to win one of those first two games, be it the Argos game or the, that first game against the Lions, and they didn't. Um, and I, I think that they're one game back of where they need to be, and that's just the reality. Like I, I think that this loss is less significant. If you looked preseason, you would have had one of these three Saskatchewan games as a loss. You would have said you want to win two of three, but you ultimately you couldn't start two and five. Yeah. Well, but the thing is now the Stamps do have the tiebreaker. They did have it going into this game, so it doesn't matter. They have the tiebreaker with Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan's got road games, right? There are three of their last four on the road, and they're going into Montreal and then at the end of the season in Hamilton, and Hamilton might have to win that game too. So you, you, these aren't gimmies. You know, you got two games against Edmonton, and yes, they should wipe the floor with the Edmonton Elks. But the Riders, they're as much as they got Montreal is very impressive this past week, um, beating Toronto. And um, Schiltz looks like a solid quarterback, you know, a guy who he brings a lot of energy to that team. So, um, and then they've, you know, the Trevor Harris move, they'll have him as a backup in the lineup probably this week. So 
I, I you, you feel pretty good away the way Montreal, the direction they're going. So especially in the running game and Saskatchewan can be susceptible in the running game. Right. So. Yeah, no. And, and that's a, that's a very good point. Um, I, I still think like, it's a big ask. Like you just, I don't know. I think this Riders team is good enough that they probably should win three of those four, but I agree that this Montreal game is tough. I can see them dropping it. And you're right. Ultimately going into Hamilton, that could be riders need to win. Hamilton needs to win. And it's a playoff type atmosphere. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually, that, that, that's a good point. It's not, it's not, oh, they have games against the East. They're automatic. Like they're gimmies. That, that, that's just inaccurate for me to say. Um, yeah. But I, I still think, look, I, the Stamps threw this one away. And it's, it's the thing that as we continue to watch this season, like these interceptions are an issue. They, they just are. Like there's 13 is too many from your quarterback. Um, the the Red Blacks are the only alone, team. Yeah. So, yeah, so. the Red Blacks are the only team. I thought the defense played great. I honestly, like, I, I thought the Riders had one that they ran an interception back and started a drive on their seven-yard line. Other than that, it's 13 points that the defense gave up. That should be enough. Um, so I, I, I think the defense, and I, I've sort of had conversations with people, reporters in Winnipeg about this, and I'm like, I'm not saying the Stamps are a better team than the Bombers, but I still think that this defense is good enough that they'll keep the Bombers close. Close. I'm not saying that they'll beat them in the playoffs, but they yeah. could keep them close. And they should give them just, a chance. Yeah. yeah so. You got you to gotta cut out these turnovers. And, and what Dickinson said was he was like, he feels like he has to take out sort of the intermediate balls a little bit. Um, I understand the questions. Does Bo have the arm strength that he used to? Because um, he underthrew uh, the ball on a couple of those. Like it's just, it wasn't even great coverage. The receiver, if he'd gotten the ball over the DB, it right. the receiver hand, and he just didn't. Uh, I'm not saying those are easy throws, but um, that's the reality. And there was another one. Kamar Jordan had a catch. I think it was like a 31-yarder or something like that in the first half where, like, I mean, that guy is good, but he had to jump up, like, fully stretched out, catch it in full stride. And if he had even – if he hadn't been Kamar Jordan, that ball sailing over his head into the DB's hands. Yeah. Kamar Jordan does remind me of Jermaine Copeland and the way he doesn't have to break stride when he catches the ball. And yeah, yeah it, it's just like, boom, boom. The like, And uh, Copeland was great at that. He, you, he would get up for a ball and not break stride and not seemingly leave his, have his feet leave the ground. So it's, that's what it, he reminds me of. And obviously Copeland was a pretty good receiver and Kamar Jordan has got those skills too. The one thing exactly. I'd like to say is, I will also say about the riders, like since we're talking about receivers, like I, I did think Duke Williams for a first game back, I, I was like, okay, yeah, Duke Williams is still Duke Williams. He's still an elite CFO receiver. And I do think he makes them better. Just, I, I honestly was, was pretty impressed um, with him for a first game in the lineup. Yeah. They only went to him three times, but uh, you can see that that's going to keep continuing and keep building. So, um, so they got Shaq Evans and Duke Williams back in the lineup. So yeah, that, you know, the riders are, they're going to be an interesting watch down the stretch, obviously. The one thing I'd like to see the Stamps do, and maybe here's how the, this would play out. You want to get Mayer, like, I want I want Mayer to go two or three deep passes a game. And here's how I would expect it to go. You get in a situation where you're in short yardage on second or third down. He comes in for the short yardage package, gets the first down, and then immediately sends out the, like, you – you go out with the, the, the idea that you're going to get that first down and then you're going to reset and do another play right away and try to get the defense on their toes and then let Jake have a couple of strikes. 
that's the way I would like to see them utilize Jake Mayer because mm-hmm. um, you you want obviously Bo is going to be the one managing the game and he can still try those deep passes and still but just utilize Jake Mayer's arm strength and energy and just have him you know it doesn't have a, to be much and obviously you don't know exactly when you might think okay this play is going to get us between eight and twelve yards um, and you you get a short yarded situation so Mayer goes in. It almost has to be on the fly, but that's the way you're going to catch that defense well, and napping on it, right? If you may are coming in every time and you know it's going to be a deep pull, then, yeah, you're going to be set for it. But if you do that, that's the way I would play that situation. No, I, I'd like to see that too. And the reality is, like, with Jake Mayer, like, I want to see more Jake Mayer. He was really, really fun to watch. I mean, I, I, this is sort of, as you know, when you're covering teams, you see these guys in practice, you see them, you just want to see them in a game. And, like – um, that's sort of how I felt about Rock Thomas, like the week that Kadeem Carey was having back injury or back issues. He happened to come in against Regina and, and absolutely dominate. So but mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, man, I want to see Rock. Like I've been like, I'm excited. <laughs> like I want to see this guy I haven't gotten to see yet and who they're high on and all that. And that's a little bit how I feel with Jake Mayer is it's like, I don't think he's gives them a better chance to win. It's just, it's exciting to see something different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, I'd love to see a little bit more Jake Mayer, but I don't. I don't. I, all I'm saying is I don't think that you punish Bo for a bad quarter by by pulling him. That's embarrassing. That's Bo's your franchise. You invested a lot of money in him. You play like yeah. Well, oh, and, and and I still trust that he can win some games because when he was pressed into like oh things are going badly, they rattled off three straight victories against divisional opponents that were and the last one was quite impressive, right? So it's. You know, one one game like this isn't going to change our opinions that way. Is there anything that we can say about Winnipeg at this point, being that now they've kind of addressed their issue of, okay, we needed a kicker, we went out and got a kicker. You know, we're, you know, they, they absolutely, but they they've crushed the the um, the Elks and the uh, Lions quite a bit, and let's not get too excited about crushing those teams, but. Again, yeah, there's nothing yeah, more don't, to say. Don't they're, underestimate. they're basically now in, okay, we're gearing up for one game mode, but we have uh, three games left or two games left. Yeah, three games left to play, and they have they, it means nothing to them right now. So they just, they're, they've got the West uh, final set. That date's going to be in December. It's going to be great. I joke that um, I can't wait to watch it from a nice warm pub because who wants to be in Winnipeg for that game? I mean, Winnipeg fans, obviously, they haven't hosted the West Final for seemingly forever. So this is a big thing for them. But um, what what can we say about Winnipeg other than that's the team that's – they're just going to be sitting and waiting for their next opponent. And they've got three games until that next opponent, right? Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting. Like you mentioned Castillo, who they brought in as the kicker. Don't sleep on the Winston Rose signing either. That guy led the CFL in yeah. interceptions. Um in 2019 so um that's a look that uh, yeah you're right i mean it's it's hard it was the same thing with the stampeders at some point like you're talking about chasing history and that's it because it's like no they're the best team in the league um and like as much as i think like their defense is the strength like zach flaris is leading the league in in (laughs) yards yeah their running game has been pretty good too so like like yeah they're the best team in the league um i i will say that I've covered the Stampeders in 2016 and 2017 and 2018. And there is a pressure that comes with you're the best team in the league. You're the number one and nothing matters until the yeah. playoffs. 
Um, and like ultimately, we saw the St. Peter's lose games they should have won come playoff time. Uh, and I'm not saying the pressure is what lost them those games, but like this isn't no. over until it's over. And yeah. um, and it, yeah, it doesn't guarantee you anything for the playoffs. You still have to go out and win. So yeah, and and I think like I mean I can only talk about the St. Peter's and, and honestly, like people in Winnipeg have every right to be like all anyone talked about was the Stampeders after their three-game winning streak. And then the Bombers crushed the Lions worse than the Stamps did, and then the Stamps lost to the Riders. I just happen to think that the defense, the Stampeders' defense gives them the chance to win every game, and that's going to be the hardest matchup for the Bombers come playoff time if if, if the, the Stamps get through. The yeah. Riders, obviously. Um, but I just, no, I just like the matchup that the Stamps have against Winnipeg. They seem to match up really well against that team, whereas the other three teams in the West don't seem to have a good matchup against Winnipeg. So, yeah. Well, and again, I just, the riders, like their O line is just such a concern for me. Um, yeah. And like, we'll, we'll be, I, I, I honestly, it sucks that we don't get to see stamps bombers right now. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those games where, well, they played early in the season when the stamps were kind of crap. The stamps gave them a good fight, probably the best fight anyone's given them all season. Well, it um, came down to a last second field goal and it, yeah. Yeah with their backup quarterback in the stamps have improved so much. The bombers are clearly improving as well. They're not resting on their world. And it's like, I just want to see that game now versus last game of the year when it doesn't matter for the bombers at all. Right. Um, well, the next game for the bombers doesn't really matter either, but they've got three of those ones, but, yeah. but they're going to, they're going to keep building and improving. And you know, Michael she doesn't like to lose ever. So he's going to be out to win. Like it's not, yeah, you can't, play. you can't start resting guys. Yet. No, Did no. You, they're, yeah, you may not play a guy who's hurt, but you can't with three games. You got to be sharpening the knives, right? Like there's, there's, there's no question there. Uh, so I, I do. I honestly, Montreal, Winnipeg, those are fun games. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I, I again, I, I've always said one of the things that I like about the Alouettes is like, you'd say this about every team, but like they think they're better than you. They think they're tougher than you. Like they come in like ready to fight. Let's go. Yeah. Like, let's do it. And I just I like that against a Winnipeg team that knows it's the best. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, so this, what happened after our last podcast was the CFL announced that um, anybody playing in the playoffs and having to travel has to be vaccinated, which brought into question who's now been vaccinated from the start of the year. Did we get any clarity as to whether home team players can play in the in the playoff game so. if they're unvaccinated? So I that. Yeah, I mean, it, Credit it doesn't to Dave Naylor sort of did the reporting on this uh, for TSN, so I'll, I'll shout him out. But, like, based on his story, technically, like, it's the West Finals, the Stampeders and the Bombers. The Bombers can play there, guys. Technically, the Stampeders, they're just not allowed to travel separately. So they could get a bus, and the whole team could drive to Winnipeg right, but, play. Yeah, but the CFL absolutely said that they do not want that. So because of the winter driving conditions and all that kind of oh, stuff. Of course. The, I mean, where it would be would be Hamilton, Toronto. Like that would be yeah. where you would consider it. Or like, you know, it won't happen, but a Montreal. You'd be insane to do that. You'd be insane to have your guys sitting for 10 hours, like cramped in on a bus. No, no yeah. team's going to do that. Well, it's not an like, option. But like you either well, all have Toronto and Ottawa used to travel to Montreal by train back in the, when that yeah. was a thing. Um, and that wasn't very long ago. That was about a decade ago. So, um, but... Yeah, it it gives now right after that story happens, Winnipeg comes out and says they're pretty much all vaccinated, so it's not going to make a difference. Um, 
And, you know, apparently O'Shea has rallied his troops. I know he, he said before the season he wanted everybody to be done. And, you know, he's kind of gotten everybody to buy in a little bit. But if it, if it comes down to it, are the riders or stamps going to have to leave a couple players at home? And are those going to be key players? As of right now, yeah. And, like, I've been wrestling with how much to, to talk. I mean, I, I think that if you go on Twitter, um, you can you can probably start guessing at, at some of the players who aren't vaccinated. Um, whether he is or not, it, it sure looks like Jamar Wall has strong opinions about vaccination. Um, I... Uh, but I, I shouldn't be speculating. Like I'll, he's the one who like it's on Twitter. Like his opinions, so you can go. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm not trying to. But like yeah. he's made it public, so I feel like I can comment on on, on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Farhan said that five or six key Stampeders players. I don't know if that's true. I can tell you, like, if there are players who are unvaccinated, they're probably not practice roster guys. Like right. the team's not. I, I I can't imagine any team wanted to keep like. I think you'd cut young guys who haven't proven themselves. Like the only guys you're going to keep around and, and deal with a headache are going to be established starters who, who have proven they can play and make you better in the league. So, um, yeah. So I, 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 it will, as we come down, it's not something I've been interested in reporting before that sort of announcement, but now that we know it could actually impact the way the teams play um, or, or the teams that they put on the field. Yeah. I'll, sort of have to start taking a look at it. Um, yeah. Well, the one thing that has to happen if a, if a player, let's just say unvaccinated player on the Stampeders right now looks at it and says, okay, I have to have this thing by November 30th to travel in the playoffs. I better, I have to have one, my first shot here and my second shot here. Now they're probably not thinking that far ahead. Um, I also don't necessarily know that that's 100% true. I think that they... Trevor Harris went down um, and, and got the one shot Johnson and Johnson. Okay. Uh, and the stamps have a bye week. So you can go down to the stage, grab Johnson and Johnson and come back up and you're good to go. Okay. So, and those isolation rules don't apply anymore so that they wouldn't have to miss time or anything like that. That's my impression. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's just now that's the hypothetical, the actual, actual part of this that makes the, is the biggest question is, do you are you going to just sit out a playoff run um, because of these views that you have that you don't want to be vaccinated that you don't want to do this like that's a very like especially on a if a veteran player has been in the league you know five to ten years been with these same team for a long time and decides that no I'm just going to set this one out guys sorry uh, it seems like a a huge decision for that player to have to make like and also what the ramifications of the rest of the team. Like, Hey, come on, man. We're, we're trying to make a run here. We're trying to win this thing. We need you. And, and there's just, no sport that's more team first than football, right? You always put the team first, oh, you always put the team first. And now that's what you hear from them all the time. So right. this would be putting the team first. And I think we're trying to not do the that. moralistic thing. I, I think we're trying, like we're, we're talking strictly in terms of how, how it impacts the football team. And yeah. like, that sucks. And like, if you're, uh, it, Let's deal with hypotheticals here. If you are a kicker, um, right? Who isn't vaccinated? <laughs> man, you sure you got a job next year? Like that's brutal. Right. You're gonna leave your team out to hang. We know how important kickers are. Like that's brutal. Yeah. Well, and it's there's no like guys will play through a lot of things and like take shots 
like adrenaline shots or whatever they're taking to get into a game so that they can freeze it up and go play. How is this any more of a risk? Like it's, it's more of a, just a, a I don't know thing. We can go into the whole ridiculousness of the anti-vaccine thing. But yeah. like we don't, we don't have to go down that road. We've done that before. But it's, yeah. it's insane. I just, I just I, I, I'm curious to see whether it's going to put that pressure on enough players that they are going to be like, no, I'm not skipping the the West final and then the gray cup because of these views. It's really, that's a real situation where you have to dig in your heels and absolutely <laughs> like say, I'm very committed to this cause to miss the biggest part of what my you know, professional football career is about. It's about sure. going to the gray cup and about winning. So that's what they tell us. That's the only yeah. thing it's about. Right. It's all about, that's all they care about is the rings and the winning. Well, get on board and go win the Grey Cup. You can't go unless you've got this. So, and there, yeah. Are, yeah. And I mean, it's going to affect the West Final. It's going to affect the East Final. My feeling with the East Final, well, if it's Montreal, that changes things a little bit. Like, and it could be Montreal looks very good. They just yep. beat up on the Argos. But if it's in Toronto, you know. Hamilton, or I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what Montreal does. Do they want to take a bus for five and a half hours? But as long as it's Hamilton, Toronto, it, it's not a big deal because they'd probably bus anyways. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it is going to have an impact on the West. Yeah, it just is. It definitely it affects Montreal more than anyone else, unless Montreal is the team that doesn't travel, right? And if they win the East, then Toronto or Hamilton will have to be traveling. Um, and we don't feel like there's going to be a crossover because BC would need to win like two more games than Hamilton right now. So, yeah, I mean, BC is at BC. Would, BC can technically get to eight because they're at four and six. Okay. Um, and that would mean that Hamilton of their remaining four games, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. If Hamilton goes two and two and ends with seven. Um, yeah. It's weird. That, it's actually that would cost the stamps of victory. So then. Then it might, yeah. The crossover seems not in play this year. Anyway, it doesn't we're just getting too deep in? Also, play. sorry, I shouldn't have said that. BC's not winning their last four games. What are we? Talking no, <laughs> no, they gotta. They need to win one first, and uh, that's. Yeah, uh, they just got shut they, out. They're gonna go into Hamilton this week, so. Um, yeah, crossover is out. Or no, that's next week actually. That's good, and I like Toronto and Hamilton. Okay, yeah, they're not beating Toronto and Hamilton and Calgary. And Edmonton, so they might be at Edmonton, yeah, on a two-day rest. Hard wins. They yeah, they'll probably win that game. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that was just that for me. Looking at you know the possible Grey Cups, and I've been asking you and a few other people that go to Grey Cup, and I'm like, is this Grey Cup worth going to? Because what I like to do is the socializing part of Grey Cup. I like the Grey Cup festival areas and all the team gatherings and all that stuff. So none of that's going to be happening. And basically the response I got, you know, from Jamie Nye and Regina was who I see at Grey Cup every year and a good friend of ours, obviously. And he's just like, well, the bars are open. So I'm going, I'm like, okay, um, I'll see you at the bar, I guess. Like, it, Presumably and, there's an upper seat. Yeah. And I, I talked to one of the super fans in Hamilton and, and she basically said, yeah, there's not going to be anything formal, no team parties or anything like that. I just hope people come. I'm like, right, well, but then they, 2023. Like they'll, yeah, and then they, but then they, when they, because my thought was, as soon as they said that the Grey Cup's going to go back to Hamilton in two years, so they can do a proper festival and have an actual party, 
um, that felt to me like, well, this year is just going to be a game. It's not going to be the full extravaganza of a Grey Cup. So, which is probably the right call right now. Yeah. In Ontario, they're being more cautious than they are than we are out here, but they've also you know had better results over the last couple of months than we have out here in terms of COVID management. So, yeah, I mean, I like I'll, I'll tell anyone, I. I don't think this is going to be a normal great cup and i think like if you're if you are going for the parties but at the same time like for us a big part of it is like i mean for me in particular it's the one time in an entire year where all the people who actually understand what i do for a living tend to be in the same place so it's like it's actually <laughs> like um it's like just nice to have like nobody on like nobody understands the specifics of the job no one understands why i'm bitching and moaning about this or that and then I get to go hang out for five days with a bunch of people who fully understand it and can empathize. So it's like, yeah. it, that's yeah. what I love about it. And I hope that I'm there because I, I don't know, I take pride in being at the great cup. It, it's a big deal for me personally and professionally, but also like, I just want that. It's like, I want to listen to Jamie Nye and Jeff Hamilton argue. Right. Know? Yeah. Well, and they do, they do a lot. So <laughs> I mean, I assume anyone else would be like, Danny, you argue more than anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah. charm, right? well and that's that's the thing and i'm like yeah we should just be going just because we should be just be going right um so yeah anyway i'm, I'm still kind of on the fence but i'm gonna take those days off work and i'm gonna because if the if it starts happening and you get and there's a bunch of people in hamilton like getting ready for the game i'm gonna be feeling like i'm totally missing out and i don't and as jamie said He's like, I want to be the guy who goes to the Grey Cup every year for 50 years. And he's at 15 or something already. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm also that guy. I'm I'm at 13 Grey Cups that I've attended, and I've been to every one since 14, and I don't want to miss any more. So it, even I've though it's not a full Grey Cup, I still want to be there. So No reporter has been luckier than me with their run. I started midway through 2016. <laughs> yes. I, want, I like, at one point... I think, well, whatever, like 2019, I was like, I've been covering this league for three and a half years and I've been to four Grey Cups. Like, this is nuts. Like, <laughs> yes, you did luck out. Plus, yeah. you had one in your city that they didn't well, determine. I mean. right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Edmund, yeah, it was class, you know, auto, first one was Toronto. What was it, I've done Toronto, Ottawa, Ottawa, Edmonton, Calgary. Edmonton, Calgary, yeah. So, and yeah. I don't know, like, I'm probably not. If, if the company doesn't send me, I, I don't know that I am going to spend the money to go to Grey Cup just because, like, I have to be for Christmas back in Toronto to see my family a week later anyways. So it's like... Well, it, make the full trip of it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you leave on December 10th and you stay till December 26th. I, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm not doing that, but... Okay, uh, but yeah. it is going to be interesting, and like I do think, I mean, it's just so I am now. It's fun. Like I'm at that point where I am looking at the playoff matchups. I am 99% convinced that we know what the playoff matchups in the West are going to be. Like it's, I, I think it's Calgary, Saskatchewan, in Saskatchewan, and then obviously the winner is going to Winnipeg. Like we literally know that. But then I look at that. There's just so many possibilities in the East, um, yeah. and. Like, I don't know if you ask me straight up. It's like, okay, yeah, it's six and four or five. Like, the Alouettes are first six and four, Argo six and four, Ticats five and five. There's everything to play for. Yeah. Oh, it, it makes November, uh, seeing as how we got 
regular season games in November, which is not the usual. Um, November is going to be a lot of fun. So, well, and when in our, like, when in, I mean, certainly, I don't know, I don't want to say my lifetime, but like, arguably, like, when, when has the East been more interesting than the West? Yeah, that never happens. Um, I'm, not better. Are, I'm not saying they have better teams, but I'm saying it's like, it's a lot of fun. And oh, a wild swings, too, right? You expected Toronto to feast on a backup quarterback going into Montreal last week, and they, that was not the case at all. And, you know, no. Matt Schultz looked like a, you know, a very Harry Jones does not coach to lose. He does not no. coach to lose. He, like, Com- competitive guys, you know, yeah. they're, they're not giving up any games, right? He gets that well, guy, those guys ready for a fist fight every week. I, I love it. I love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a uh, GM fired uh, today. Uh, Marcel Desjardins gets let go from the Red Blacks. Not a, I, I wouldn't say a huge shocker. Maybe the timing of it would be the most interesting thing. But actually, now they're they'd probably like to have a uh, a new guy in place by early December when the playoffs are in. They probably want to have somebody else in. I don't. Do you expect that they're going to change their coaching staff though? I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. I also don't. I I would question even if they wanted to how this whole um, salary cap with coaches influences that. I know Arash was tweeting about that. Um, look, I think Paul Apolis deserves a second year. I anyone who looks at that team, he wasn't yeah. handed a group of players who were capable yeah. Yeah. of of winning in football games. So, um, so and you I, can't I, and you can't blame their coaching staff for their effort level or their preparation. They seem to have. Um, they go out and they try to compete. That maybe not last week, but. Uh, you know, this is it's hard to do when you're out of the playoffs and you've only beaten one team, but they didn't they didn't roll over and die for anybody earlier in the year. And you need a quarterback in the CFL and they have yeah. yeah. So well, I mean, this is why Desjardins is probably the on the outs because of the it, it could lead right back to the Nick Arbuckle debacle, basically. That yeah, yeah. you you sign like, a guy I, to bring him I in. This is just you at some point needed to change direction in this franchise. They've had two really, really bad years in a row. And as both of us know, the CFL finishing in last place doesn't get you. The difference between the first overall pick and the eighth overall pick is not that big. No, uh, it's not. It's There's no such thing as a tank in this league. It's no, not it It's not the NFL. Like they, And there's no hardly – I mean, there are trades in the draft. You could trade up to the first pick a lot because – a team knows if you trade from six to one, you're not getting, you might have a completely different need. So then what the number one overall guy should be. Right. So I would genuinely wonder right now, and I think I'm wrong about this, but I wonder if right now the Stampeders don't have more players on their roster that were drafted in the last round than they do first. round. The, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not yeah. kidding you. Yeah. I mean, Herjie Mayala, Isaac Adeyemi, Berglund. So those two are first-round picks who are playing. But you go further back. Well, Ryan Sevier's playing, so that's a first-rounder. Randy Collings not. Alex Singleton's not. So And then, obviously, um, Eamon Ogbongwamiga, who is their 2021 pick, is down playing in the NFL. So that is three. And then you have Sindani last round, Hakanavanu last round, Hunchak last round. So there's the same number of players playing. Right. Like, that's crazy. So, well, and it, it speaks to you do your homework, you put in the effort, and the Stamps have always been, I think, one of the teams that puts the most resources into. And this was Huff's always his 
motto was I'm putting heavy resources into Canadian scouting and talent because that is what's going to build us our base. Yeah. So no, it's about windy games and that's, and that's that. But like, all I'm saying is that with Montreal or with Ottawa, like two in a row, like everyone's two in a row in last place doesn't do you any good. It, it just means two wasted seasons. And yeah. I, I do. I also will wonder, I, and look, that Ottawa market, I love it. The stadium's great. I love the in stadium, but like, let's not forget that twice now Ottawa teams have, have, have left. So that market, right. like the CFO, you want a winner in there. You want people in the stands. Yeah, no, and it, it. I've had many discussions that I believe that that's the the most vibrant. They've done it right there as in appealing to a younger crowd. They've gotten a younger crowd. Uh, yeah. It's a it's an atmosphere that is more a social type of game. And now, obviously, it's not as easy to do that right now. But um, yeah, I think they'll bounce back. I think they'll make some decent decent moves in the off season and figure this out and they'll come back as a competitive team, I would think, but um, that the changes are happening there. And I expect changes in Edmonton probably the day after the season ends, but uh, yeah. Anyway, we should probably wrap it up there and I'll uh, then I'll be convincing you that we have to go to great cup regardless. And actually you don't want your team there because you have more fun when your team's not there. Always. I mean, that's fine. You can try <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> nice <laughs> alright man uh, until next week peace